Here we go. You are listening to Tuesday's Law and Gospel on this February the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm sorry, it's February the 7th. Wow, we're almost out of the month of February. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Pastor Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. Thankfulness and Praise, written by Christopher Wordsworth, who died in 1885. He was an Anglican clergyman and nephew of the Romantic poet William Wordsworth. He published this hymn in his 1862 collection, The Holy Year. It is explained that the purpose of this hymn was to recapitulate the subjects presented in the epiphany services of former weeks throughout the season of epiphany, and then in anticipation of the future great and glorious epiphany at which Christ will appear again to judge the world. This hymn thus alludes to gospel readings from prior Sundays after the Epiphany, all of which address a particular manifestation of Christ. The word Epiphany means to show forth or manifest, which is the key word of Wordsworth's Epiphany text. It is the hymn of the day for Epiphany 6. This hymn refers to several 
of the Gospels from the day of the Epiphany through Epiphany 4, especially in Series C of the readings and the one-year series. So, Pastor Smith, what's your thinking of songs of thankfulness and praise? This is one of my favorite Epiphany hymns. In fact, um, I use it twice. Uh, unlike, I, I know you read at the beginning that uh, it's to recapitulate. Uh, I, I think it's good to, as an anticipation. I use it at the beginning of Epiphany, the beginning of the Epiphany season, and I use it usually uh, later on in the Epiphany season. So I, I use it at least twice uh, in, in Epiphany. It's a, it's, a, it's a favorite hymn of mine, <laughs> and uh, I, I really like it. Excellent. Well, without further ado, why don't you start with stanza one. Songs of thankfulness and praise, Jesus, Lord, to thee we raise, manifested by the star to sages, to the sages from afar, branch of royal David's stem in thy birth at Bethlehem, anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. Every stanza ends with God in man made manifest. And that's interesting because that, as I said, is the definition of the word epiphany, to yes. make manifest who Jesus really is. So manifested by the star to the sages from afar. What's that referring to? Well, that's really how we usually begin the, the epiphany season. Uh, the, the, the star that we usually associate with Christmas is actually uh, the epiphany to the wise men coming from the east. Um, yes. That's what it's talking about. And they did not meet Jesus in the stable. It says no. they met him in a, a house. Right, so that's right. So it might have been a year later after his birth. That's right. But the fact of the matter is it led Herod to want to put to death the children in Bethlehem who he thought would be of that age. And this was really the first unveiling or manifestation of, uh, of Jesus, was, uh, who, who was, of course— uh, uh, he, he's Jewish, but this is the first manifestation of him to the Gentiles, the wise men coming from the East. Yes. And it says branch of Royal David stem. What does that mean? That refers us to, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, the passage is 33, 15. In fact, I think I've got it right here, 3315. And there's no doubt it's talking about Jesus, of course. It says, uh, in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Who else could that be but, but of course, Jesus, the son of David, the branch of the royal stem of David, and he is indeed our righteousness. 
This is the critical message of the Christian faith, that in every other religion, you get righteous by what you do, following the law. But in Christianity, you are declared righteous when the Holy Spirit gives you faith in Jesus Christ, and when you trust the gospel promises, God declares you to be righteous in his sight because right. your sins have been taken away. Yes, we have. When God, God judges us, he will see nothing but Christ's righteousness, his robe of righteousness that was bestowed upon us already in baptism. Uh, excellent, excellent. Stanza two, manifest at Jordan's stream, prophet, priest, and king supreme, and at Cana, wedding guest, in thy Godhead manifest, manifest in power divine, changing water into wine. Anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. That stands at two. Any questions on that? No, in fact, uh, manifested Jordan stream, uh, I, that that corresponds with in thy Godhead manifest. You know, at, when Jesus was baptized at Jordan stream, that's that's one of those uh, that's one of those instances where you have God the Father speaking out of the out of the clouds. And you have Jesus himself, God the Son, being baptized. And you've got uh, the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. So in thy Godhead manifest. The whole Godhead is depicted in his baptism. Yes, well said. How being baptized at Jordan's stream, does that make him prophet, priest, and king supreme? Now, that's a little bit... That's a little bit difficult for me. I I wonder why. I know I know he's th those are his. That's his threefold office. He's our prophet, our priest, and our king. Um, but, but you, you know, just I, answered it, it. You answered it that it is his threefold office. Yes. When we install a pastor, what does that mean? When he is ordained and installed. Well, he's put in the office of pastor yes. at, at, at that congregation. And he begins his ministry there. When did yeah. Jesus begin his ministry? With his, uh, with his uh, baptism. Exactly. That was, that was the start of his ministry. And what was the offices that he was supposed to therefore follow? Well, the office of prophet, uh, as, as prophet, he 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 spoke God's word, right? And uh, okay, and and he still, you know, that th these offices are still in force even today. His office of prophet is carried on uh, through the through his ministry of the church, and as uh, as king, he is head over all the kingdom of the left hand which is the, the secular realm, and the kingdom of the right hand, which is his church. So he's, he's king of the whole universe. And, uh, and as priest, 
He is at the right hand of the Father uh, as our advocate and our defender, yes. speaking on behalf of his, his children to the Heavenly Father. We get those concepts, prophet, priest, and king, from the Old Testament, that God set up prophets, priests, and kings to rule his people. And it's kind of interesting that when you go to the Old Testament, uh, the name is the name of Jesus, but it's really the prophet, priest, and king of those times. And the name Jesus, who, who was the prophet that name came from Jesus? The you prophet that came, from, that came from the name Jesus? Yes. Well, I think of Joshua. Joshua is essentially the same name as okay, Jesus. Okay, now that's king. Yeah. Did you know that Hosea is also from the root word for Jesus? No, I had either forgotten that or didn't realize that. Yes. I'm, I'm... And so he was a prophet. And then when they returned from the Babylonian captivity, there was another man. And his name also came from the word Jesus, who was the priest in rebuilding the temple. Yeah, so, when I think of the, when I think of the priest, I think of another a line from another hymn, uh, Tom, which is himself the victim and himself the priest. We see that, that in connection his, that in was connection with the mission. Lord's Supper. That was his mission on earth, but he no longer is victim in his heavenly priesthood. Right. Because the priest did two things. He sacrificed on behalf of the people, and he prayed for the people. And that's what Jesus continues to do, as you indicated. He is our advocate before God the Father in his heavenly realm. How was his Godhead manifest at Cana and the wedding? Now that's a that's that's the question that I have. I don't uh, only in that. Uh, well, I think it, that goes with the the line manifest in power divine, changing water into wine. But I don't really see how the Godhead is manifest at the uh, at the wedding at Cana, other than his his power uh, that that he his glory is revealed in that first miracle. What? manifestation does John chapter 1 talk about? Oh, that talks about um, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So it talks about Jesus as being the Creator. Well, you take water as much as He had in those jars, and turn it into wine, that's not possible if he's not the creator. Right. And that's how I understand that his manifest was very clear as the Godhead. It's yeah. kind of like... It, you, but you what, know, I don't know, do you see God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in that miracle at Cana? But... 
it talks about his Godhead was manifest. Yeah. That in him, God. In him, God. the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Well, correct. And that's what was clear at Cana. Remember right. when he stilled the water and the waves on Galilee, that lake when there was a big storm? Right. That's his Godhead becoming manifest again. Okay. Godhead doesn't refer to all three persons. It refers to Jesus as the Godhead also being made manifest. Okay, that's news to me. I always thought when I hear the Godhead, I think of all three persons. And I think, of course, of the transfiguration. I think of his baptism. Um, I think of it, it, I think of his cre at creation where all three persons were there. What metaphor is used in the Bible for Jesus being the head? Well, he's, he's the head of the church. Which is his... Body. Yes. And therefore, we're parts of the body, but he is the Godhead. And so that's how I take that, just referring to Jesus. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good to me. Stanza three, please. All right. Manifest in making whole, palsied limbs, and fainting soul. Manifest in valiant fight, quelling all the devil's might. Manifest in gracious will, ever bringing good from ill. Anthems be to thee addressed, God in man made manifest. Now, as I indicated at the beginning of the program, these are events that we right. celebrate during the season of Epiphany. Now, these are past events, the first four verses. So he healed palsied limbs and fainting soul. Now, the palsied limbs would be the people who were lame. The man, what, the man. What, I think of the man sick with the palsy. The the man that was uh, let down by his uh, four friends through the roof of the of the house, and right. uh, Jesus said, "Get up and walk," and he did. What would be an example of fainting soul? Well, I think of uh, I think of the, that passage where uh, Lord, I believe. Oh, it's when the, the father was begging Jesus to heal his son, the demoniac, and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. That's excellent. Yes. He had a fainting soul, and the Lord came and healed the person that he so wanted. Then it says, manifest in valiant fight, quelling all the devil's might. What epiphany experience is that? Well, that's obviously when he was casting out the demons. I think, uh, yes. I think, for instance, uh, of the example of that demoniac in the land of the Gerardines, uh, who, who was possessed by the, the demons that said they were legion, uh, perhaps, perhaps even thousands of demons. He was possessed, and. Uh, quelling all the devil's might. I mean, that's what he was doing. When he, when he invaded Satan's domain, earth, 
he started casting out demons right and left. And when it says, ever bringing good from ill, I think of the example of that that man who was possessed by the legion of demons. Uh, I I mean, he was was trouble. I mean, the the whole community uh, knew about him and avoided him, and they couldn't bind him, even with chains. And yet when he was... When he was finally healed of all of his demons, uh, he wanted to go with Jesus, and he—you couldn't—you couldn't stop him from sharing the good news about his healing. Talk about bringing right. good from ill. In a number of cases, Jesus said, "Don't tell anyone what I've done for you," because right. he did not want to be crucified early. But in but this not case, in that tent. Not he in that told tent. him to go to the. It, it, to the to the, the the cities in the Decapolis. In in that instance, that was one instance where he told the the healed demoniac, "You go and tell people what God has done for you." And he went through all those 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 uh, the the Decapolis, which is a, a a group of ten cities, largely Gentile, and shared yes. the good news of his healing and the gospel. Exactly. All right, I'll do four. Sun and moon shall darken be, stars shall fall, the heavens shall flee. Christ will then, like lightning shine, all will see his glorious sign. All will then, the trumpet hear, all will see the judge appear. Thou by all will be confessed, God in man made manifest. So the previous experiences were things that we celebrate during the season of Epiphany that happened in the past. But this is talking about something that will happen in the future. And what is that? The last day when he comes again with all his angels. And uh, it talks a little bit about the, the signs leading up to his coming. Stars shall fall, the heavens shall flee. Christ will then, like lightning, shine. All will see his glorious sign. And uh, you'll hear the sound of the trumpet. All will hear the, all, all will then the trumpet hear. All will see the judge appear. That's, that's, of course, Jesus coming again to judge the living and the dead. Now, who blows the trumpet? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, traditionally we think of that as being uh, what Gabriel, one of the angels. I, yes. I, I, I don't. I don't. Is that right? Is that is that yes. scriptural? Is that tradition? No, it's it's scripture that the angels will blow the trumpets, okay. and it's kind of interesting. The last line of that verse: "Thou by all wilt be confessed." Yeah. Now, that gives the impression that even those in hell yeah. are confessing Christ. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes. You see, that's something that those in hell will recognize. For example, isn't it true that the devil himself recognizes Jesus as God. Yeah, absolutely. All those demons. In fact, in these healings of these demons, when they were about to be cast out, a lot yes. of them would, would recognize Jesus, who he was. 
I know, I know who you are, Jesus, the Holy One of God. Even these demons knew he was. So it's important to understand that because someone can confess that Jesus is of the Godhead does not mean that they are saved. It's that distinction I was talking about earlier this week, the difference between believing in God versus believing God. Yes. The, de the demons believe in him being God, but they don't confess him as God in the sense of believing and trusting him. They don't believe in his promises. It's, exactly. it's for us. We believe that it's for us that he died, for us that he suffered. That, that's the difference between saving faith, uh, believing in his promises, as opposed to just recognizing that there's a God. You see, the unbelieving Pharisees believed the history of the Bible, but they didn't believe the theology of the Bible. Right. All right. Last stanza, please. Grant us grace to see thee, Lord, present in thy holy word. Grace to imitate thee now, and be pure as pure art thou, that we might become like thee at thy great epiphany, and may praise the ever-blessed God and man made manifest. That's the first time that the word epiphany is used in the hymn, yeah. which, of course, is his being manifest. But what is it talking about that we can imitate Jesus and be pure as pure art thou? Can that really happen? We can only, Im well, he, he gives us his own purity and uh, we will be will be like him only in glory we're not equal to god we'll never be equal to god god is god and we are not but uh, we'll be like him in in glory on that last day uh and uh he bestows his righteousness he take he's taken all our sins upon himself to the cross but uh and and in exchange he bestows his righteousness upon us. And that's really also part of the life of sanctification, where right. the Holy Spirit motivates us to do good works. So even here on earth, we have his glory. Right. Well, thanks very much, Pastor Smith, in taking a look at the hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise. And we'll be talking about some of its themes on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, looking at the book of Proverbs. Until Listen then, to Law and God bless morning you. At 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.